Hello and thanks for joining us for another episode of Paranormal United States. This is episode 15 and we're talking about Iowa. Yes, we are. And this one, so this is a pretty dark one. Cool. And it's going to actually start off a bit more like a true crime podcast rather than a paranormal. But I think the background is quite important to sort of the paranormal side of it. Got me hooked already. <laughs> so, um, but for Iowa, I'm going to talk about something I hadn't heard of, but it is quite well known in Iowa and in America. And there's a lot, when I do my research, there's a lot of articles, a lot of websites, a lot of podcasts about this place, okay. this incident. Well, I'd never heard of it before. Um, so that is the Priscilla Axe Murders. No. Have you heard of that? No, 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 I haven't. And uh, but you got me an axe murder. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm go. I'm yeah, good for bit, that. It's a bit of a horrible axe murder this one. But uh, yeah, so it's, this is Vasilla. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, it's a tiny, a small town in Iowa. Population is like a thousand, just over a thousand. So it is a, a small town. Mm-hmm. So the incident, these axe murders, took place in 1912. Vasilla was home to the Moore family. His husband and wife, Desire and Sarah, and they had four kids, Herman, Mary, Arthur, and Paul, and they were all under the age of 12. And one night that year, in June 1912, a 10-year-old Mary had invited two of her friends over to stay the night. They were sisters, Ina and Lena Stillinger, and they were aged 8 and 12. The family and the Stillinger sisters spent the evening at the church, before they returned to the Moore household at around 10 p.m. that night. The following morning, one of the neighbours, Mary Peckham, noticed that the family hadn't woken up or come from the house through the morning chores. So that the, the Moore family had chickens and like a little bit of like barns and stuff that they had. And they hadn't obviously used to come out early to sort out the chickens and stuff, but they hadn't come out that morning. Okay. So Mary Peckham sort of let the chickens out, sort of started off for them. Then got hold of Josiah's brother Ross, as she couldn't be concerned because she's knocking on the door, no one was answering, so she's a little bit worried because there's so many in the house as well usually that like someone would be in. Uh, so Ross arrived, he's the husband's brother, knocks on the door, no one answers. So he bring, he's got his spare key, so he lets himself in. Mary waits outside, and by the parlour downstairs is a guest room where the two girls were staying, the sisters, and he opens the door and just. He's greeted by the sight of the two dead bodies. Just on the bed, these two girls, just dead on the bed. So Ross tells Mary to uh, get the local peace officer, as uh, it's called, the local law enforcement, uh, who he soon arrived at the house and began searching the rest of the property. And he found that the entire Moore family, as well as the two sisters, the Cylinder sisters, had all been bludgeoned to death. In the guest room downstairs where the two girls were, an axe was found. It's just found to be the murder weapon. Um, so obviously the investigation goes on and they believe that they were all asleep and they were murdered because they were all in bed. Axe wounds to the head, uh, covered in blood. Uh, so all of them believed to have been asleep apart from the older Stillinger sister who had defensive wounds on her body showing evidence that she had possibly tried to fight back. Uh, and because the axe was in that room, it was like he went there last. And in the attic, they found cigarette ends in the attic, which is 
this building if you're watching the video. So the attic is a little crawl space okay, in the attic. Yeah. And this is where they found cigarette ends, suggesting that the killer or killers were hiding up there, waiting for them to go to sleep, and then obviously wow. going around and murdering. Jesus murdering each Christ. Of them. Yeah, that's yeah, dark. So it's very dark. So, like I say, this was 1912, and it obviously uh, made all the papers and it was big news at the time. Uh, there was obviously big investigations into it. Mm-hmm. A number of people were, basically all the homeless people were all suspects. They were all questions. Uh, a couple of people were tried. Um, one guy was tried twice. But, uh, one one was a hung jury and then the other got acquitted at the second trial. And nobody had been found guilty. Oh, wow. So it still remains a, a cold case and unsolved murder. That is proper duck. It's funny you should say, because I'm just... Now you talk about it, I'm sure I've, I'm sure I have heard of it. You know, mm. that's quite a dark tale, regardless yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of paranormal tours. I like, can get a bus that goes down Iowa and it goes to. Uh, this house. I talk a little bit about the property, how it is now yeah. as well, in a bit. But yeah, like I say, so uh, remains unsolved over a hundred years later. Mad. Yeah, they never found. Never found who it was. So there's a lot more detail I could go into about the actual deaths and the attacks and the older sister, but we're not a true crime podcast. It's a sort yeah. of bit of background into why this house sort of started getting its reputation. So, yeah, a very sad story, but where does paranormal come into it? Yes. Well, the house has been under quite a few different ownerships since 1912, and families just don't seem to stay there for very long. And it seems to have changed hands quite a few times. Maybe because they find out that it was this house. or Yeah, it's got to be one of those places that when you find out that the whole family's been murdered via axe, it probably loses its bill quite quickly. Yeah, like surprised I'm... people buy it. Do you know what I mean? But... Yeah, it's quite... Um, it's pretty dark. So this is the house, how it looked back in 1912. Quite a standard... House yeah. looks a bit creepy. I don't know if that's just because it's black and white, but it's there. But when they where they found it as well, it's a bit weird. Like all the obviously all the curtains were drawn since the morning. There was like sheets over the mirrors and stuff like that. So it's like quite a creepy sort of atmosphere as well. Right. well that is odd. So, but today hmm. the house serves as a paranormal hotel. <laughs> um, why not? Why not? Why embrace not? Embrace it. They do day tours. Uh, like I say, the, the like bus tours that come around Iowa stop there. You can go in tour the house. But you can stay overnight um, on investigations for like four hundred dollars. Okay. Um, just stay the night on your own. Just give you the keys. That's it. You're just free to yeah, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it paranormal then? Go so on, the, the, the spirits of the young victims are believed to still reside there. People that come to the house leave toys and gifts them to play with toy cars that have been seen to move on their own. The reports of what's been happening there range from disembodied giggles that can be heard, terrifying screams, unexplained movements of objects like toys that are left for the kids. There's a strange fog that's been seen moving from room to room, quite strangely. Yeah. And there's even indication that visitors to the property start exhibiting strange behaviour as if possessed. Oh, wow. And the most, probably the most famous one of this, which again brought the house into national attention in 2014, because a paranormal investigator who was staying there, he was 
on his own. He has friends with him, but he's sort of in this part of the house on his own. All of a sudden, he starts screaming for the people he's with. And he found him with what appeared to be a self-inflicted stab wound to his chest. Oh, jeez. Um, so, obviously, police attended. He was in, he's okay. Like, he wasn't yeah. like life-threatening or anything, but he took to hospital. Police attended. And he had self-inflicted a stab wound to himself. Uh, so was it the house? Was it something? We No one, no one knows. That's a bit insane, isn't it? That's pretty, pretty mad. That was a 37-year-old Robert Lawson Jr. who stabbed himself in the chest for some reason. Did he... I take it they didn't find out why he did it. He just did it. No, no. I don't find, um, like, sort of, usually him or anything. It's just... This happened to this person yeah. in the house. There's a tour guy, Johnny Hauser. He stayed at the property over 400 times over the past 15 years. Wow. <laughs> and he's heard footsteps many times when he's been alone in the house. And the reason why he sort of wanted to start staying over there, staying overnight, because he used to be there in the day doing tours for like people on the bus trips and stuff. But he was there on his own and he hears someone walk upstairs like you hear the dresser door shut. So thinking it was someone trespassing, he went upstairs to confront them. And obviously there's been no one there. So that's what made him think, right, I'm going to start staying overnight and see if I can find anything else happening. Because he... Why not? Because he was like, used to clean the house and stuff and do these tours. Mm. But he was more of a UFO guy than like a ghost guy. He wasn't really into ghosts. He's like, into UFOs and obviously weird stuff, but wasn't too convinced about ghosts. Then obviously he'd had these experiences, so thought, I'm going to start staying overnight. And they stayed over like over 400 times. They stayed overnight. Uh, yeah, so he's heard, obviously, footsteps. He's seen chairs start rocking on their own. And he's heard, like, full-blown conversations, like, upstairs, he's downstairs, even though he's wow. alone in the house. So a bit more modern day, like, you can see the house behind me. This is how it is now. Yeah. There's a small barn in the garden. It's looked like gift shop and stuff. Because two people bought it and they were going to turn it into a bit of a museum. Then he ended up just because there's so much interest in people wanting to tour it and paranormal investigation crews wanted to come and stay the night. And obviously, they saw the money that's where the interest yeah. was, and that's where the money was. So they turned it into this sort of hotel with dators. There's a small barn in the garden, and there's like a cork board, and this has got a number of photographs on it that have been captured that apparently show alleged paranormal activity awesome so there's orbs in these photos there's like shadow people and there's even one it's someone's back where he'd got big scratch marks on his back that happened while he was inside the house on a one of the day tours and so yeah so there's some evidence there on this little court board outside the property like i say there's loads of podcasts and articles i was spoiled for choice then Wow. A lot yeah. just focus on the murders themselves. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's just the whole unsolved murder. Uh, there was like quite a few suspects and, and that. And obviously, just the whole horrific eight people killed, six of them were kids. It's obviously very horrific. Yeah. Yeah. So it did like obviously grab headlines across the America at the time. Yeah, I imagine it did. That's it's it does. It's got a very similar vibe to Amityville, where they were all like murdered in the house as well. So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's uh, Iowa. Amazing. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. Paranormal United States, episode 15, Iowa.